Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Constructing the Clubhouse, the world's number one comedy podcast about starting a comedy club in Par- Barcelona during a pandemic. I'm your host, Dr. Matthew John. Joining me, Johnny Boy Ellis. Hello, everybody. Johnny, we've got an, uh, a great show today, yeah? Yes. We, I think we do. I think I've got some interesting ideas yeah. uh, that you, I've thought of recently. You sent me a text this morning that I thought was really funny because you said, uh, "Let me." I want to read it exactly. I've got some thoughts that I think are interesting. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, this is interestingly enough exactly what the thoughts are about. Uh, because what I've been thinking about recently is that I am very, very good at understanding my own perspective. Like my yep. own perspective, I under- understand like not 100%, but probably 97% I'm I, on top of it. And I would argue better than anybody else in the world. I would say way better than anyone else in the world. Uh, I'm incredibly good at understanding my own perspective uh, and it makes total sense. And mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm not only am I good at understanding my own perspective, I'm very good at advocating for my own perspective as well. So like whatever my wants are, I also have a little lawyer in my head that takes the things that I want and then sort of twists them into a logical cohesive argument and makes that argument uh, both to myself and to other people in the outside world. It's, it's kind of a superpower <laughs> how good I am at understanding my own perspective. Uh, but what I'm realizing is that I'm not very good at understanding other people's perspectives. Okay. Um, which is true for everybody to an extent. I don't know to what extent it's true for other people, yeah. but it's true for other people uh, to an extent. Um, what's funny though, what I've been thinking about is that my current perspective is almost the opposite of what my current perspective was two years ago. Okay. So two years ago, I was working you as... You turned around. I'm, I'm just... Did a 180. I, I just have different things that benefit me now. <laughs> Uh, basically, and my the lawyer in my head has has now made very convincing yeah. arguments to myself that this is what it should be. Uh, so two years ago, I was working as a tour guide uh, for a company, basically, uh, and as like an autonomous tour guide. So it was like a freelance tour guide, effectively the same relationship that we have with with a lot of comedians, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Uh, and I had this like combative me versus the company feeling i'd like push back in my head like uh, any changes that wanted to be made I'd, I'd be frustrated by them uh like they they wanted us to to sell more of the other tours because that was the way that they made money and i was like almost angry about it because that would uh damage the integrity of the tour that i was doing <laughs> right they would want um us to get trip advisor reviews uh, and I'd be like, oh, why do we have to do that? That's so, it's distracting from what I'm trying to do, which at the time was trying to get people to tip me money, which I thought was more important because it meant that I got more money. Yeah. Right? So th- they they tried to raise the marketing fee, which meant that I got less money, which at the time I thought was a very bad idea. Yeah. Um. Obviously. Okay. Uh, and now it's... Now, you, now I'm in the position of being the business owner. Now you, you, you've got the view from the top. Right, and I... A bigger picture, one would say. And I find myself in the position of, of wanting people to get, I don't know, like Google reviews for us. Yeah. And from my current perspective, I'm like, of course. 
Of course they should give us Google reviews. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense that, that other people should do that because that's the thing that I feel like I want and what we need, actually, uh, as a business to grow and to succeed. Yeah. Uh, and I also see the, the the plethora of ways that, that what we're doing as a business is, is helping the people that work with us. Which we're is, job creators. Yeah, which is something that my boss would say at the time, he'd say, look, you're a, you're a tour guide, you work, you do three tours a week, you make 150, 200 euros a tour, you barely work at all, you should be very, very grateful for the opportunity that uh, I'm giving you. Yeah. And I, at the time, was like, no, uh, actually, I think what you're doing is taking advantage of my labor in order to generate yourself this this stockpile of gold that you're sitting on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... So how has this impacted your comedy club running skills? It hasn't. Comedy yet. club commandeering we're, skills. We're not, we're not quite there yet. Um, the other quick example I have is when I was running comedy shows at La Donatea, uh, which uh, w went really well. I was doing a, a show on Mondays and then a show on Friday nights, I think it was, called Dorothy Gong Wild. We were selling a bunch of tickets every week and it was successful. But whenever I would want to make changes around the place or I'd sort of point stuff out or I'd be like, oh, can we do this? I felt like there was some resistance or, or that the people running the bar didn't appreciate the importance of the thing that I was doing. The thing that they didn't care as yeah. much about the thing that I cared most about as I cared about the thing that I cared most about. Yeah. Right. There was one uh, example of a time where the, like, the air conditioning broke. And it was the height of summer, so we were like packing out the room. Oh, I remember this. And people were like sweating like crazy. And um, I. It, it had been weeks that this was going on, and I, I kind of was a bit fed up with it. And I knew the show would be better. I knew it'd be easier to get people in if the air conditioning was fixed. So after one of these shows, it was about one o'clock in the morning that I sent Will, the guy that was running it, a, a message mm -hmm. saying, like, and to my credit, saying, like, what can I do to get the air conditioning fixed? Like, how can, like, can we, like, how raise we money help? for it or, or yeah. whatever it is? Uh, but he, now looking back, actually very kindly responded, look, I don't give a fuck about the air conditioning right now. Uh, and now that I'm much more in his position, I look back and go, yeah, he probably had a million <laughs> other things that were way more important. Yeah. Uh that he was busy worrying about and and look i mean sure enough uh less than a couple of months later the whole place shut down because of issues with the neighbors and all sorts of things that i didn't see were happening but were happening uh beyond yeah. my perspective that i had at the time um so the question i wanted to ask you and we can talk about a bit generally is is Imagine a world where the clubhouse exists as it exists, except the only difference is that it wasn't us that started it. So Limerick shuts down, the Dorotea shuts down. Um, there's a there's a void in comedy, mm -hmm. um, and two other people that are comedians start the comedy clubhouse, and yep. now they're in this exact position. Yeah. What have you been up to for the last couple of years? What do you think of the clubhouse? Are you running shows here? Are you running shows somewhere else? That's a great question. I love that. Uh, boy, if we had to imagine, I mean, it would have been Noel and Hannah likely to have started a club. Mm -hmm. 
they were like the runners up. Um, I bet I would have uh, ran shows with them. I, I mean, just generally, I tend to like jump into the fray and volunteer and help and work. Uh, so I, I, I think I would have, but I think I would have ran shows with them. But n- would have Hannah? Would Hannah have let me? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know if she would have been as gracious as you are. Yeah. Um. That's not really the style that we're trying to accomplish here. What do you think the other name would have been? They would have called it, I don't know. Hush, hush. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Silencio. Do you... Yeah, because like, you wouldn't have had to have run shows at, at the this alternate universe version of the clubhouse, right? Not necessarily. So let's say no limericks, no... Dorotea, I guess I'd still probably work, be work, running shows out of craft. Uh, maybe I would have moved up to uh, different venues. I probably, yeah, I, I think I would have just kept trucking along more or less the same. Because you had a pretty good brand going with Bombshell, so we still use the Instagram page, and it's got you know thousands of followers and, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I mean, but yeah, I probably would have just kept up that pattern of mine where I start... I, like every three months or so, I start another show or two, and then you know through time they bomb shelter stays, but the other shows end up closing uh, you, bars. Keep, keep it. <laughs> yeah, you did have a a curse on bars. It's I think we've maybe broken it with the clubhouse. Who knows? Oh, maybe, can... maybe we'll just have to change venues every year or so. No, no. I'll let me. I'll I'll run shows. At, I'll close out other bars. Don't worry. It's still yeah. going large. Actually, no. I just have a. I have another hit on my under my belt. I did the the show I did in Sofia, Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna close soon. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man. That's well, a... they're changing ownership, and the the lady that owns it is not happy with the place. That will go nameless. Um, I'm not sure if I would have if I would be running shows at the clubhouse or would be wanting to run shows at the clubhouse. I'd like to think that I would have in that two years built up like my own brand enough that it kind of wouldn't matter either way that I could, I could run shows at like any other bar and get, you know, a hundred percent of the money and, uh, yeah. uh, 10% I, of the bar or whatever I was getting for the, the Dorotea. And I bet we would have done a combination. Uh, we be like Louise, you know, where you run some shows at some bars and some shows here. You work things out. You try to help where you can. Yeah. I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out in my head what I would have complained about, right? I, because I, w- I imagine this this hypothetical alternate Bizarro Clubhouse, the CBC, Comedy Bizarro Clubhouse, uh, would be better ran <laughs> in some ways. In I think, some ways, yeah. I think it would be probably they would have, it would have been nicer, um, but I think it would have been way more expensive. The shows that they had, they probably would have started out at ten euro tickets. And I think I still would have been able to beers. find stuff to complain about. Oh, sh- I for think, sure. I think I kind of still would have been a pro at walking into the clubhouse and uh, running my show for for a few hundred euros a week, and then uh, pointing out every little uh, speck of dust. Yeah, in it. but that's why I'm so like the I I think generally the thing people complain most about here is. Maybe money issues and then like just the overall aesthetics and qual quote unquote quality of the the place, right? Mm-hmm. So if you assume different owners would have had would have prioritized that stuff at the start rather than just getting off the ground, 
Maybe. Um, we have to assume that they had as little money as we had. Hmm. I well that's the thing. I, I probably in asked... this world I think that no, they they'll have they'll have had the hundred K to got a bigger place with a proper license. Yeah. I mean even if they had the same amount, they probably would have weighed the aesthetics H- higher. higher than we did. Yeah. For sure. So I won't be able to complain about the aesthetics. I I'll tell you, if the bar is not in a separate room from the showroom, I would have complained about that. Uh, I don't personally care so much about lighting and sound, though I'd be prickly, perhaps. Um, just because, like, you know, it's a very easy thing to complain about. If, you know, if you ever have to work with now, like, a standalone uh, amped speaker, mm-hmm. kind of like they have at the old Imperfecto, oh, it's terrible. Like, I, I, would, I would complain about the sound, I think. Yeah. I hate a short microphone co- cord, too. Uh, what else would I complain about? Generally that, and then maybe not being welcoming enough or being, again, this, like, in this imaginary, I, I imagine it's Hannah and Noel running, running stuff. And again, their insistence on higher quality, uh, I think I would have been like a champion of the losers that got shut out. You very, very well might have. You would have, yeah, found found the dirtiest, most disgusting bar in Barcelona. I mean, like, this is where we're doing comedy. All right, yeah. All right, kids that suck at comedy, come with me. I'll be the Pied Piper of the, the open micers. Free comedy shows or trying to uh, get donations? Trying to charge people? What would I be doing? What would you be doing? Uh, Probably free show donation shows. Uh-huh. I always like that system. You yeah. don't, it doesn't, it actually doesn't provide for, for better shows, but like, um, because when people have skin in the game, they show up having bought their ticket ahead of time, that it's always the best audience. But I, I like the idea that you're performing for your wage and it's like, no, just show up and then I'm going to do my thing. And if you like it, give me some money. Yeah. I love that. I just, I like the, like, I don't know, symmetry of it or whatever. Yeah. I kind of think I would have maybe been doing bigger rooms or different rooms or more like theme style shows, but quite likely I would have been doing like an open mic on a Monday, let's say, and then a showcase show or like a, a Dorothy Gong wild style yeah. show on, on a Friday or a Saturday, 50, 60 seats, that sort of number that you can, if you market well and you have at that stage, you know, would have had a few years experience with show running and show marketing. You can probably pack out. Yeah. Every week for for ten euros a pop. Maybe you spend a couple of hundred euros on advertising. Hundred euros paying the comedians. You're walking away with possibly three hundred euros a week from that. Not bad. Um, I think I would have kept tour guiding. Just two tours a week, just casually. You know, another three hundred euros a week from that. Um, oh man, yeah. So I guess in this alternate universe, I still have that old editing job. Probably. Yeah, what would you do with all the money? What would I have done with that money? Ah, nothing useful. I'm sure nothing useful. Yeah. You know, I'd like to think that I would have invested more in my own personal career, right? Toward a little bit more, spent more money on, I don't know, websites and bullshit like that. But I don't, I just knowing myself, I don't know that that would have been very likely. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, it's easy to see all the things that, that, I would have done, but I also might have just spent the whole time being a piece of shit. Yeah. I could very likely would have just done that. It would have just uh, kept, I don't know. 
doing yeah. four tours a week and smoking a lot of weed or whatever. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, anyway, I think it's I think it's interesting that to to be aware that um, other people be, have perspectives. Well, no, but I'm just trying to trying to be aware. Oh, of how you were I so felt. close, Johnny. I was thinking a little bit about like how I would have felt towards the owners as well. I think there would have been. I think I would have been a bit jealous. I think I would have felt um, taken advantage of. I think if I yeah. had a show cancelled, I think I would have felt that it was very unfair or they didn't see what I was doing or creating. Um, I I like to think I wouldn't have been that way. I do, but that's probably, you know, uh, narcissistic. I would never feel like that, right? But, but actually, all right, so there's a chance that I'm going to say I would not have felt like that. And there's two explanations. Either A, I'm just full of shit, and I would have been as petty and, I don't know, bitter as everybody else. Or B, and this is what I think is operational and what I think everybody should be doing. It's because I ran so many fucking shows and so many shows that die that I am just am absolutely unfazed by any one particular show, right? Like, yeah, if we have a bad week or a bad show, you know, it never, it just doesn't phase me. Right, there's a we here at the clubhouse. Our goal is to have a thousand shows this year, mm-hmm. right? Like a thousand. So when we have somebody that's like, "Oh no, we we started five minutes late," or this, it's like, well, "Don't worry about it." Or like, "Oh, I really fucked up hosting today." Yeah, yeah. Fuck, there's a thousand more. Well, you're much better than me at not getting bogged down on any um, individual show. Yeah, I, I tend to on a week to week basis. I'm not panicking about Saturday now. By the way, we've sold I think 14 online. Okay, good. And I think bomb That's shelter. I think bomb shelters tonight's going to be fine as well. Picked up. I need to get Kylie to post about bomb shelters tonight. Yeah, that would be great. It's really good. I mean, the clip is really good. People like it. The, good. Um, the wrestling thing. So it's it's people are responding well to that. Good, good, good. Which is nice. To go back to I just to like hammer this point home a little bit more because the people that listen to this podcast do run shows, but um. When you were saying, like, if your show got canceled, how upset would you be and this or that? And again, this is my this an attitude that's built on having many, many failed shows in the past. It's like, don't worry about it. Just start another mic. You know, like. Yeah, I think in that case, I would use my anger and frustration and surety that they were wrong about me and my show as as a fuel to drive me towards something else, somewhere yeah. else. Well, that's. But that's how that's how growth happens at the macro level, right? Mm-hmm. So way back in the day, how did it go? So there was a just kidding Barcelona, and then then Kraft started with Vincent Valentine started doing their stuff, and then just kidding went high class. They started working out of the collective, started running really amazing shows, right? And then I I would like to say that Kraft up stepped up their game. They hired a, a new host, aka Doctor Matt. Um, and it got slowly more, you know, professional. And then uh, JKB fell apart, and then Hush Hush came. So each each iteration has been like, I'll show you guys. I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make a really good fucking show. Right? Yeah. So, and I know that like we opened the club, and I think it you know Louise has it remotivated Louise to run bigger and better shows, and now totally. he's very proud of himself for having uh, the largest show. It, it, with failing in love and whatever theater yeah, that is because it's cheap uh, 
but I and, and more ambitious shows as well right so yeah. like the, the purge is huge that they're doing um and like the abisa shows have come along as well you know what'd be really good is to admit which shows make us jealous um i don't know i don't really want to say uh today because I don't want to give these people the satisfaction, but I mean, drink, drink, drunk is something that's really, really special and and has like a a, a very dedicated following to it. I actually think a couple of things, and like Bard House as well. I know it's not a comedy show, but there's people that every oh. single month are like here or whenever it is, every two months, yeah, less frequent shows, but people like really, really look forward to it. And they're like, oh, the next Bard House is coming up. Obviously, the Purge. Man. Uh, is good and the fact that they've now gotten roast battles they're now yeah. officially roast battles Barcelona. wait can we announce that i think we can he's announced it has he all right well let's give a big shout out to james man yeah fucking uh great get mm-hmm. so he started with the purge it's big it's a roast battle show then reached out to the folks in la i can't remember dude's name uh that run roast batter in international and actually got Barcelona to be the one of it's Barcelona and London and that's it for Europe. Yeah. Suck it Berlin. <laughs> and it's just huge because also uh we didn't mention this when we met with James but now it's it's absolutely clear and fantastic. If we were to do our comedy festival, right? Um in the past I've I have we have connections to uh the guy that books Montreal is just for laughs, and we have connections to a lady that owns a club in L.A. And the idea is that if we have a comedy festival, we'll have a competition for touring comics, and the winner get will get a free trip to L.A. Essentially, mm-hmm. and maybe get and everybody will get looked at by the Montreal guy. But now, if we if we can work with James, we can also have one night of that uh, imaginary festival be an official big time roast battle fucking finale yeah and we can invent invite people from la out mm-hmm. maybe even a mr jeffrey ross for instance that'd you know? be huge it would be enormous yeah james is really good at uh connecting with people all around the world and, and, and making stuff happen he's a, yeah. a pr pr marketing guy right and it, it shows well and there's like a class thing that i always think about with this and i'm uh apolo- if james if you're listening i apologize if i fucking butcher this explanation but James, man, he shoots for the stars. He works, there really seems to be like class differences and he's working at a high level, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's always been interested in corporate, finding corporate sponsors for his events and uh, really just having, like this show in Ibiza is a high high level production. Totally. And then with Roast Battle International, it's fucking, it's, it's you know, kind of big time in it. Yeah. So... Shout out to him. I just find it interesting in a class sense because it seems like, you know, people in the upper classes, they get shit done and game recognizes game, you know. I And there's a way to get into that. That It's like a stratosphere. Like, I, I, I don't know how people are going to feel about name dropping, but like Belinda doesn't take poor clients, you know. She, she's fucking, she's a badass at what she does recognizes that and only takes you know big ass sure. accounts um and i just find that interesting because it you know to uh, to live and operate in that that upper level it takes a lot of talent and work and uh and i don't know congrats to james for thriving in it absolutely um on slightly on that topic and also on this topic of perspectives i hope he doesn't mind me saying this i don't think he will um but 
it's it, sometimes you get glimpses into other people's perspectives and you know you're usually you're operating at maybe like 25 percent understanding where somebody else is coming from and then sometimes there'll be one thing that comes through and you'll be like oh wow our perspectives are 100 percent different yeah on this particular issue uh so when we had the meeting about this uh roast battle thing one thing james said as as a joke basically but was was we were sort of suggesting that he become a member of the creators club and he was like oh that's that's how you're going to get money out of me type thing uh and whether he thinks this or not i i it never occurred to you it never occurred to me that that that's uh what we're trying to do really and and i would never and and categorically don't want to push anyone into the creators club i want to create it in a way that people look over and be like, wow, that is such good value for me to be a member of. Yeah. Um, for 35 euros a month, podcasting studio, workspace, everything. My, my perspective is like co-working spaces go for 250 euros a month. Uh, yeah, well, now you sound like Will, right? Who, what, what example did you have where, oh, no, it, the, the tour guiding. You are lucky to be having this deal. You yeah. are fortunate to be allowed to work here. But that's, you know, that's my perspective. If, if yeah. people don't see it, then that's that's okay. Um, I think with the Creators Club, I think people should see it. And I think if they don't, then yeah, eventually they will. But by the time that they do, the prices will have gone up. I got uh, two, two, two things here. One, I love that this episode, this is the episode that we're going to, in 10 years time, we're going to be able to turn around, turn back on and say, this is the moment that John grew up. Like recognizing other people's perspectives and like, like taking those in and like, I mean really that's it's the I think that's the hallmark of maturity. I have a whole theory about it's the def that the definition of maturity is caring about others. I think I'll look back at this episode and be like, man, what a tool, <laughs> what an asshole. Knowing you, John, you're gonna look back and be like, yeah, I was right. Um, no, that's not what I think at all about myself. In fact. Um... If anyone's watching this and thinking that guy sounds like a real douchebag, rest assured, I agree with you. I'm just not there yet. Give me like 18 months yeah. and I'll be like 100% on your side. I forgot my second point. Sorry. What were we talking about? Um, the Creators Club. Oh, right. So the second thing with the Creators Club, and it's completely, uh, I would say justified. There is a gap right now between what the Creators Club is meant to be and what we want out of it and what it is. And what it is right now is is infinitely frustrating to its members. We're not open. It's hard to get in here. It's hard to use. Nobody knows how anything works. Nobody knows where anything is. Yeah. You know, it's disorganized. Now, it's supposed to be a club. It's supposed to be a, a group of us coming together to create shit together and in parallel right everybody working together and it's not right. it's not there yet and we, just today we were talking about how great it would be to have somebody that's around all the time that knew how obs worked you know or the podcast yeah. institute yeah we got here this morning and we lent somebody else the studio uh this morning to record something for free for free uh because we like them and then i come into the studio and everything's wrong and mixed up and and again my perspective is like, look, if you if someone's doing you a huge favor and letting you use their studio for free, at least leave stuff the way that you yeah. that it was when you arrived. Um, I I don't even want to speculate on what his perspective was. Well, like I said, I I can almost guarantee you that he thought he did. He thought Could he be. left it exactly the way he didn't realize because the the thing with the OBS and the the screens, 
it looked very different. It looked like everything was fucked. And really, it was just moving a couple windows around. Yeah, yeah. So he obviously wouldn't have appreciated how think... little yeah. we know about the software that we're yeah. lending him, right? So obviously, if we knew it inside out, then it's two clicks and it's easy, but right. we don't. Every time I sit down to try to record here, it's an, uh, daunting. You know, it's very intimidating. This The software has too many options. There's And also, this room has six cameras, 12 channels, four mics, you know, there's a lot going on. And again, what the club, Creators Club really needs is somebody, it needs a leader. It needs somebody to like dedicate their time and life to this thing and get it, get it moving. Yeah. And that guy something. should be me, but I need to smoke weed three times a day. Yeah. Well, I've gotten like a little better at running the equipment and I can, I am at the stage where I can teach people to use the equipment for the most part and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um... I'm also doing a million other things here. So what I need is like, if I'm going to teach someone to use it, and I don't mind showing someone three times, four times, as long as every single time I'm showing them, they're sitting there trying to learn how to use it. If they learn something new each time, that would be great. Right. Yeah. Instead of like, the attitude can't be like, set it up for me. I'm ready to go. Set it up for me. <laughs> and then, and then send me the file afterwards and all of that. Yeah. You know, it's not. That's, um, I, I would say one, our, one of the biggest issues personally for the me versus the creators club is yeah people that have a um kind of a service minded idea of it right they mm -hmm. think hey i paid for this thing I, I should be treated like a client and a customer yeah which means you know asking for a thing and receiving it like that having somebody on hand to attend to you and fix this or that or find whatever uh and it's not there. It's not. It's not McDonald's. You know. It's not. You can't order things. Yeah. One it thing needs I to be a, a right now. It needs to be a collaboration with all hands. So the other day we had somebody who was very interested in uh, recording out of here, right? And then they noticed a problem that they felt wasn't was going to prohibit them from making a good enough podcast for the whatever network that they were on or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at this point, there's. This person has, they didn't realize it, I think, but there, there's a choice. Either you work to make, to fix the problem, and then that's not a problem anymore for everybody. Or you, you say, ah, it's not good enough for me. I'm going elsewhere. And you go find a proper totally. studio, totally. right? Uh, which is, you know, it's fair, but it's it kind of short-sighted on their part going to a new studio. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about today, and we don't have time, so we should wrap uh -huh. up. Um, but I wanted to talk about just generally, both for us and for other bars as well, if, if comedians are going to other bars, like what makes a good comedy show and how how can you make a show that a bar is going to want to have you every single week doing your show at? Maybe we do it on a, another episode. But one example of that is like, you can come in and before your show be like, put music on for me. And then you do that yeah. every single week. And then, and then you're just, you're basically, you're wasting someone's time. Or you can come in and be like, what do I need to do to put music on? Yeah. And then you know how to do it. So you're not wasting anyone's time apart from the very first time. And you get to pick exactly the music you want to play. You get to turn the sound down exactly when you want. You get to slowly crank up the music before the show starts. So like, it's better in every single way because you're the one in charge of the show and you're, you're, taking a creative direction and uh, uh taking some technical responsibility yeah um anyway i i 
just to wrap up my my idea with with this whole thing on perspectives now uh is that i want at the very least people to understand as much of my perspective as possible so that at the very least if they're angry at me or they're disagreeing with me they're disagreeing with the things that i think in my head and the things that i feel rather than some effigy of me that that doesn't actually exist a straw man and you will, of course, work to understand their perspective as well, I right? don't know that I have time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do want to, and certainly for the people that I'm working closely with, uh, yeah. I want to, yeah, I, I do want to understand where they're coming from and, and, and how they feel about stuff. Good, good, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, together we'll work and the world will be a better place. Real quick, though, while we're on constructing the clubhouse, a big shout out to John Ellis, who replaced some light bulbs here at the club made a wonderful aesthetic difference in the showroom and has already been commented on to me personally three or four times. Sweet. Yeah, yeah it's a lot nicer. We could almost try running shows with the lights on in there, I think. You could. Uh, you could definitely try it. I wouldn't do it. filming stuff. Um, once we have the dimmer. Get out. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was thinking about other lighting things that we can do here. But, folks, you'll have to tune in next week to find out what other changes we're going to try to do while keeping this slapdash fucking cl- comedy club together. Uh, if we mentioned you by name and misstated your views on something, we apologize, of course. We love you all. Uh, big shout out to the successes in our lives, Mr. James Regal and Belinda Filippelli. Um, yeah, and Luke, Mag- Luke McGinsky we mentioned as well as, as a Louise inspiration. Yeah. Um, do you think I'm, we shout out all of our listeners every single podcast? I we try do? to. I try to. Absolutely. We do our best. There's like six of them. Uh, no, there's like look, there's like Marnie, a hun- there's, there's like a hundred an episode high. at the moment. No shit. Yeah, yeah, hundred. Yeah, about a hundred an episode. Folks, you're getting stronger. Yeah, the numbers are growing. All right, guys, but we really got to go. We've got big stuff planned for this Friday's bomb shelter. You'll find out about it if you follow our channel. So be sure to like a button and ring a bell and subscribe to whatever. And, uh, yeah, join us next week. This has been Constructing the Clubhouse. I've been Dr. Matt. And I've been John Ellis. Peace.